Thanks again for joining us. Whenever you're listening to this, wherever you're listening to this, it's been a while, but it's the Metalist Podcast, and I'm still Dave. And I'm still Jason. And today, we're going to talk about a band near and dear to our hearts. So, story time. Near and dear to your heart. Oh, really? Let's just put that out Okay, all right, all right. Spoiler. I see. Um, (laughs) Anyways, no, it it sucks because, like, you, you were like, we ought to do a heavy band again sometime. I was like, okay. And I was actually thinking in the back of my mind, dude, Entombed is fucking, I don't need to think too hard about this. And then sure enough, rest in peace, LG, unfortunately. So I was like, well, now we have to. So that's a bummer. And, and not to step on that's toes, yep, but yep. rip DMX. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey, real quick, before we get into Entombed, uh, favorite DMX song? I, it's been the same one for over 20 years man slipping nice. which i i didn't know there was an uncensored version for years <laughs> even on the uncensored record it's like dude there, there's a clean version of the song on the uncensored record right. like what the hell so i had to that's always a bummer i had no idea so i had to youtube that um but dude he's he's been one of my favorites for years and years and years so i'm fucking crushed Hell yeah. Um, what about you? Let Me Fly. Yeah, off the first album. That first album fucked me up. It's so good. Yeah, man. I still listen to it all the time. Uh, big, big rest in peace to Not DMX. a huge fan of the 2000s stuff. <laughs> yeah. The party, the party DMX. Yeah, I wasn't a yeah, big fan of yeah, that, but, yeah, you know. For sure. What can you do? Everything sucked at that point. Yeah. Fucking. But, yeah, man. <laughs> it's, it sucks, too, because, like, I remember we talk about how things age and whatnot, and I remember um, I was... In Northern California with my, my buddy's band, Short Stories, and me and my buddy Steve, you're going to hear a lot about Steve in the near future, um, goes by Steph now these days, actually. Anyways, so me and Steph are, we're, you know, we, we play a lot of fun music in the in the van, and we decided, yeah, man, we're going to listen to DMX, and we're sitting there, everybody's younger than us in, in the van, and they were like, nah, man, we're not, we're not feeling this. It's just like, what are you talking about? These are classics. And I was just like... <laughs> It is very, you know. Oh, fuck you guys, get out of the van. Yeah, I mean, like, like that's how I feel. But at the same time, I was like, yeah, it's very late '90s, early 2000s. But I don't care. I still fucking love it, man. I think yeah. I might have said this story too. What we'll say, um, if it wasn't that tour, it was the one after. Just as a gag, we're we're like, dude, let's let's butt up, fucking in sync and Backstreet Boys, man. Like, like it's clear who's gonna oh, be who's rough. gonna be the favorite. Well. <laughs> I thought it was I thought it was clear cut in sync, dude, because you know Justin Timberlake and all that. I was shocked. We we sat there. It wasn't just like the top three songs on Spotify. It was, it was like we were getting into the deeper cuts after that. I was just like, damn, man, Backstreet Boys actually holds <laughs> up really the well. Catalog. Yeah, and then right after that, man. we we put on in sync and we're like, 
Oh no, dude. dude! It's it's so late nineties. You That's know what some I mean? Some dark times. Yeah, that was a hell of a, that was right before we we actually got back home. So that was a hell of a way to close that out. Anyways, rest in peace, DMX. Big rest in peace, LG. Let's get into it, man. Um, this is the Entombed episode. What was your first experience hearing Entombed? Well, okay, hearing might even be subjective. What was your first experience with Entombed? Period. I remember hearing it at a at a party. I never like talked to the kid that had it again. Someone told me it was entombed. It was left hand path, but at that point, shit was still hard to get a hold of. Yeah, so I was like, "Well, all right, you know." Just I didn't like it that much, so I was like, "Well, just let it go, whatever." And then I don't know when it came out. What ninety three? Uh, Wolverine, uh, Wolverine Blues. Blues. Yeah. My buddy Beavis had the. Pretty sure it was him. He bought this, bought the CD. And I don't, I don't know why he bought it. It's not like he's super into like. It seemed like, Entombs a little bit, on the heavy scale for the stuff that he normally listened to. But he would always have like these, you know, have like some gems or whatever, uh, things that would surprise me. That he was like, "Hey man, check this. You know, I bought this CD. Like we should listen to it. You know, it's like all right, cool." And I heard. Wolverine Blues, and I fucking hated it. So I was like, nah, turn this shit off. Let's listen to something else. So mm-hmm. that was, that. I mean, that's first exposure. And I mean, full disclosure, dude, I fucking, I, I fucking hate this band, dude. I can't stand it. The first album's fine, but again, it's easily the best thing they've ever done. I understand why it's very popular now, and we'll get into the guitar sound later, but it seems like there's a lot of these. I, don't, I mean, I would almost say it's good that, you know, for someone that's into it now, some of these, some of these fucking crazy, uh, crazy uh, Twitter people. For some of these guys, man, I mean, the idea of this band not being very big is probably crazy. But I mean, this band wasn't very big. It's not like they're super popular, especially at the time. And there's a lot of these bands that weren't very popular at the time because you know distribution was pretty limited so now had they had the distribution would they have been more popular maybe a little bit but i don't think this band would have been super popular um well, i wonder I mean, for one they're a fucking death metal band yeah but for two man they sounded completely different than everything all, all the other popular death metal so i don't know mm-hmm. how how big they would have been here in the united states but well it's interesting you talk sorry, about i got a fucking fill my goddamn timesheet out i just <laughs> totally forgot like i just got to notice it's like you want to put it on pause or no i can do it while we're doing yeah this, well but. yeah so it's just, they had the earache push man like like it's weird to think now just we could get on a whole thing about earache but like you know that's where napalm carcass morbid angel morbid angel being you know the biggest up until you know cannibal put out the bleeding right and i just wonder because like what, remember that list I showed you is the two, uh, top selling death metal bands of all time at that point in 2003 and Entombed was on there they were lower on there but like also you didn't have a lot to choose from in death metal and just heavy music in general has changed a lot in almost 20 years and you remember that whole thing or that little bit of time where um, it was Earache got some weird deal with Giant and for some somebody yeah when thought, Morbid Angel was on the same label as Mariah Carey yeah that yeah was Giant Records yeah so it was it was uh, Napalm Morbid Angel and Carcass for sure I just wondered was Entombed part of that 
I don't know that they all got the same treatment. Like, I don't know who... Oh, they definitely didn't get the same treatment. But I'll tell you what, when Wolverine Blues came out, it was all over magazines. <laughs> I mean, obviously not radio. I, I don't really remember if it was on MTV. I might not have been watching much MTV at the time. I don't recall seeing anything about them on MTV. But uh, I do remember, I mean, I, I distinctly remember seeing you know, stuff in the magazines and whatnot of, of these guys. Well, uh, specifically Wolverine Blues. Like prior to that, man, I mean, none of that stuff was really around, you know, I mean, and especially, like I said, where I lived, I mean, you know, you'd have to get, I don't know if it was like that in New York City, man. Did you, like, maybe someone hit us up if it was like that in New York and LA where you had to like, go to an import section. Was that literally all over the United States? Well, so the thing I never realized, and this is more for an APOM episode, but like it's about earache specifically. Earache was a you know a blossoming thing in the UK, obviously, and I'd assume that extended to Europe to some extent, right? Um, but they didn't actually have U.S. distribution until I think it was ninety. Well, whatever it was, is um, most people in the U.S. apparently, aside from you know the the demo trading scene, the tape trading scene back in the day, most people didn't hear Napalm until Harmony Corruption, the third album in the earliest of the early nineties. You know, Suffocation more or less says that was what they base their entire sound on. So to think like that's the starting point for a lot of people and not, you know, if we're talking Napalm specifically, Scum and From Enslavement to Obliteration, but also Carcass, you're talking about Recaputrefaction and uh, Symphonies of Sickness, right? So that would also mean uh, no hearing left-hand path right off the bat, presumably. I don't remember when uh, Clandestine came out. Uh, it can't be that far, too much further ahead, right? So... But, like, yeah, man, you got to think the import sections. You know, you hear the stories about Lars Ulrich always going to the swap meets in L.A., buying up all the import new wave of British heavy metal stuff. Like, I'm sure there was a, you know, a much smaller niche market for all that. But, yeah, it's it's really you had to be in the know-how for a lot of that up until a certain point, right? Well, yeah, and I'm not saying, like, nobody knew him. I'm just saying, like, for someone, because they're a thousand times more popular now than they were back then. I would think, well, yeah, but also, like, when they were, like, in their prime, you know, the closest would be in the 90s when it was, like, they were on that Right, run. so it was 90, 91, 93. Yeah, like, okay. that's, you know, and, but, I mean, I just, I mean, I, I guess now I'm trying to gauge it off Twitter, right? I mean, that's pretty much our ear to the street right now is, are you on Twitter, Instagram, that sort of thing. But also, you can hear it, uh, you can hear it in the in the music, you know, I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of bands that are, you know, like this, the sound is uh, popular again. Hold on. Uh, no, I mean, it's pretty evident the sound is coming back, but it's, you know, I mean, honestly, it's, I don't, a lot of people say like, oh, you know, it sounds so fucking, so let's just, well, hold on. Before we get into any of that, dude, what is your first exposure to Entombed? So I'm a nerd. Not a huge comic reader these days, but back when I was a kid, for anybody that remembers Wizard Magazine, also rest in peace, however long that's even been, it had a section about, um, they had a little write-up on bands that sang about comic stuff in their, in their songs and stuff, and one of them was Swedish death metal band Entombed, has a song called Wolverine Blues. I was like, oh, okay, I'll have to look out for that, sure enough. Because that's the thing, too. It's just like when I started getting really into the heavier side of things, a lot of it just kind of hit me at once, and it was just kind of there. And there wasn't a lot of, you know, defined first 
things. Morbid Angel was just kind of there. Uh, Napalm was sort of kind of just there. A lot of them, and one of them was tombed or entombed. You know, the name was ever present, and it was just kind of always there. So, what was the first song I heard? I don't know. I would assume it was uh, Wolverine Blues. I, I must have seen the video. I, I definitely remember the video. It's it's them performing to a you know in front of a green screen, and and there's little graphics of Wolverine flashing in the back. Alex from Entombed, I presume it was Alex. Yeah, it's Alex. I just watched the video again recently, wearing a, uh, a Wolverine shirt. And, yeah, and I just kind of see it from there. I didn't see a lot of the videos till way later. So, like, another one we always talk about is Music Choice. Uh, and they would have been playing a lot of stuff from Uprising at the time, uh, which will be talked about a lot. So that that's the thing, man. I feel like they were still really present in the 90s. And like, like it was, it wasn't. They weren't the biggest band, but they had a presence, and a lot of people knew about them, and they were talked about in the same circles as a lot of bands. Not necessarily before a lot of them, but in the same conversations. And then it was everything after 2000, after Uprising. I think that's kind of where it's just like, oh, you check out the new Entombed? Not really. It was just like that last run of like three albums or so that just kind of went, eh, okay. And they just weren't in the conversation as much, you know. It was like when their presence and their influence really started coming back that they weren't doing much, you know. It's just, I, it's like, well, we, I guess this could kind of segue into the tone discussion. It's just like you heard about how influential they were on a lot of bands. They're pretty much responsible for that entire first wave of Swedish, or Swedish you know, death metal, of which I know there's a million bands, but the only other one I can think of is Dismember right now. Dude, there's the Swedish big four, man. Entombed, oh, yeah, Dismember, Grave. Grave, and Unleashed. Yeah. Uh, which Unleashed had the dude that was in the previous band. They started out as Nihilist. Um, yes. But, like, you go check out any of those Swedish death metal compilations. There's just tons and tons of bands I've never heard of, and just they all, you know, have that HM2 sound, right? But them specifically, <laughs> I'll always remember being a young kid waiting for the new Metallica album in the early 2000s and seeing them talk about, oh, we're, we're going heavier, we're... We've been listening to Meshuggah, Hatebreed, and they said Entombed was one of the bands. I was like, cool! And then St. Anger came out, and I was like, never listen to those bands again, please. That's a bummer. <laughs> that's that's a that's a, not a good instance. But Man, you, you had, can't say you're listening to something heavier. You can't be Metallica and say you're listening to something heavier and then say Entombed. Because Entombed, dude, it's not that heavy. It's not even close. I, if for the time. Like, even for, do even for the fucking time, dude. Cannibal Corpse is out the same fucking time, dude. Metallica's fucking heavier. Or their early shit is he- it sounds heavier than fucking Entombed. Hmm. Entombed, I dude. Ent- so Entombed invented, well, not invented. They were one of the first bands I heard of that were doing the death and roll thing. And on paper, yeah. that seems like it should be my thing. But dude, when you're playing that kind of music with that shitty of fucking death vocals. It fucking sucks, dude. It sounds like total garbage. I can't fucking even believe people like it. Well, so here's the thing. Well, I, we, I, I can see how people would I was like gonna it. Say, people like everything. Can we just get into your overall hatred? Because now I'm now I'm curious. Because I've never heard... I, I've heard a lot of people go, that's not for me. But I've never heard anybody say they hate Entombed. But also, conversely, I hear a lot of people say this is the only remotely death metal band they like. Probably because it isn't like most of the. If others. this is the only stuff that you like, then I get why you like it. But I mean, they're not the only band that fucking sounds like this, dude. Dismember sounds kind of similar, so, but Dismember has a. Here's my thing, the, fuck the fucking vocals. Like I hate to say it, dude. I love the guy. I think I've I've heard him be awesome at times, but 
for, uh, for his, I mean, we're talking whole career. Like, dude sucks. LG is terrible. He's, he's, it's like he's trying to be a death metal vocalist, but he's not trying hard enough. Either he's not trying hard enough or he's not good enough. Because he's in this somewhere like halfway in between fucking thing and it just fucking sucks. It's like Chris Barnes. <laughs> Chris well. Barnes is in this weird halfway spot of I want to be, you know, pretty low, and, you know, and and growly, but I also want you to understand what I'm saying. Right. Yeah. Right. There's a way to do that that's really top notch. You have to have a lot of scratch in your vocals, dude. A la Corpse Grander Fisher. A lot of times you can tell what he's saying. Right. I mean. At least I can. I'm, yeah, oh, you know, for sure. Versus you know some of these other guys that like the brutal death guys no, are yeah, super low. Sure, like yeah. you, you know, there's no. there's a sacrifice there. Yeah, yeah. So it's it go it goes from like those gurgle guys, you know, to something like Fisher, or even something like I don't know, like the dude from Our Penance, or you know, some of the fucking the Florida guys, you know, like um, and then it goes up, it goes into that, it goes up a notch, and now you're in that weird. That, that weird realm of LG, um, some of Barney's early stuff, you know, the, uh, you know, like that sort of thing. Um, Godflesh-ish, Burton Bell at times. You get in that weird spot, dude. And you know what? For some people, they, there's something for everybody, okay? I'll, I will say that. It doesn't surprise me that people like this band. It doesn't surprise me people love this band. There is something for everybody. And if that's your fucking spot, then that's your fucking spot. Like, but that's a spot that I fucking hate, dude. I, I fucking, I think it sounds mediocre. I, I can see that. I, I It's interesting because like they're arguably, not even arguably, probably, you know, their most extreme is left-hand path, right? And it's, yes, yes. by comparison, not as extreme as other stuff. And you have LG probably the only time in his career with Entombed doing the heaviest version of what that is. And I think, yeah, when they include the the classic rock influence that starts with Wolverine Blues. Yeah, because he's not on Clandestine. No, that's, that's a totally different guy. It's uh Okay, so here's the thing, too. My whole thing is I try to pronounce the name the way they say it as close as possible. So with, with Thomas Lindbergh, he straight up says Thomas Lindbergh, easy, Thomas Hawk. Martin, I and I'm going to say Martin from Meshuggah because I, I have heard it. It's like Moten or something like that, and I know I'm screwing it up like that. So I'm just he's Martin. I'm sure that I'm sure he understands. <laughs> so when I see it's 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 N I C K E Anderson from Entombed, the drummer. Nick, you know, or Nick E maybe. I was like, okay, whatever. Well, so how's he say it? And then I heard his pronunciation and I was like, No, that's that's Nick Anderson. I'm sorry, dude. Like I you know what I mean? Certain Swedish names. Anyways, it was actually him doing the vocals. Yes. They had their falling out with um L G and then in the video and like for um they actually had two vocalists, another dude on an EP before Clandestine, and then the dude. Yeah, that's well, that's the guy was the guy. I forgot uh, Nick Anderson was was the, I forgot the drummer did the vocals. Yeah, <clears throat> didn't and sound bad. That I mean, like I like I like a lot of the riffs on Clandestine as well. But yeah, by the time they get LG back, I mean they're on a whole different fucking thing. So I mean, yeah. his voice has to do. I don't know. Maybe he just thought his voice. He had to do something different with his vocals. You know to. Match, the match music. what they're doing, but That's I mean, I feel it, like yeah. you know, you this would sound a lot better if you were doing like some of the other bands where it's like you're just doing straight up fucking like scratch your vocals. Now on Left Hand Path, it's not like they're all regular death metal vocals. I mean, he still has that uh, 
you know, <laughs> the there's there's some inflection to you know, it. It's, like it's, that sort yeah. of thing in there, and it's just like, dude, I fucking do not like that at all. Another thing, Nick Anderson, you know, I'm glad you went back to drums. You stick with drums, but I I don't. I mean, at least especially on the early stuff where he's trying to do some more extreme stuff, man. I just don't think he's up to par with a lot of his peers. And then, I mean, the riffs are fine, whatever. There, there's a lot of death metal at that time where it's kind of like, I mean, you know, especially if you're if you're into death metal now. Yeah, the riffs are a bit suspect or whatever, but that's, that's one of those things we got to remember. It's like, well, the time, right? I mean, oh, it yeah. was a totally different fucking time. I mean, they were inventing, they were laying a groundwork for the stuff we have now. Like, And so it's like, okay, I forgive that or whatever. But dude, let's get into it. These fucking guitars sound like total shit they sound like absolute fucking shit and it's fucking different than what nails is doing it's fucking different than what gate creeper and all these fucking bands that are redoing that sound they sound the sound of it sounds better and here's why you're taking what this was supposed to sound like you're you're basically taking the the core fucking sound of it but you're recording it better for one you're in a better studio. We have better equipment. For two, big fucking factor, man. You don't have a blown speaker. This shit sounds like a fucking blown speaker. Now, I'm not talking the remastered shit. I don't know what the fuck they did with it, but you listen to the two versions of this album on Spotify. And I, I mean, I've had the albums, I've had the CD before. You listen to it, dude. It's totally different. The remastered versions versus the what full dynamic range, mm-hmm. whatever Earache fucking does. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, that's. Yeah. <sighs> <laughs> Wait till the earache special, man. We're yeah. gonna. I've got some insight I mean, from some bands that were on there. Oh recently, shit! So all right, but, yeah, we'll get into that. But no, I mean, dude, this shit sounds like this is the fucking guitar sound that like the like so many guitar players were trying to get away from. I don't think they fucking had this guitar sound because they thought it sounded awesome. I think they fucking had it because that's what they had. It's what they fucking had. And it's like, dude, like they didn't have a lot of time to fuck around and, and, you know, dick with equipment or get new equipment or there's no reason you would run a fucking pedal through a fucking blown speaker. (laughs) Okay. I mean, there's no fucking reason to do that. Not when you can get that same sound without the blown speaker. Okay. You just can. There's no reason to do it. It's just, I, I just think that it was a situation where it was like, they're probably just like, fuck it, let's just fucking do it this way. And it, again, for having a blown speaker, doesn't sound that bad. But this guitar sound, fu- on on this, on these, especially these early albums, I mean, it fucking sucks, dude. It sounds like just fucking static garbage. Like, there's no balls to it at all. It just sounds like, that's what it sounds like. It's that, what, 2K to 5K range, where it's just like, there's no bite in it at all. There's no balls to it at all there's nothing heavy about it at all it just sounds like gain that's that's it just sounds like gain like and that's all it is now the difference is is these bands that are doing it now they're simulating that fucking sound like i said unless you're literally going to go back in and use the exact same mics and all that shit and you're going to record it analog you're going to have the exact now here's the other thing you can't just use any blown speaker to get that same exact sound, you would have to use the exact same speaker. Yeah. Okay. You cannot thing. fully recreate this fucking sound, which again is going to make it sound better because you're taking what you want. Like this is an idea of a sound that I want to have and you're going to make the fucking sound. And I, I fucking hate to break it to a lot of people and you can hit me up on Twitter. I don't give a fuck. I'll argue about the shit all day. He will. But Trust here's me, the folks. thing. 
you will fucking make that you have an interpretation of that sound in your head. And I guarantee fucking to you, man, 10 out of 10 times, twice on Sunday, your interpretation of that sound sounds better than the actual sound. Okay. And that's why the stuff that has, that emulates that fucking sound. And to some degree, the simulators and all that stuff simulates that fucking sound sounds better. It's the same idea. It's just a better version of that idea. Okay. And, and it's like, as their career goes on, I feel like they have the same EQ range on the guitars. It's just, they just kind of turned the gain down, which makes it sound even worse. Yeah. It's, it, it gets thin. I feel like that kind of goes with the vibe again. It's like, cause the vibe ships so much. Well, um, there's other bands that do the death and roll sound that sound a thousand times better than these guys. I mean, they just do dude. They just do it better. You know, and I'm not saying this band is fucked or anything like that. I'm just saying I don't fucking like it. You know, I'm not saying anything like, oh, you shouldn't like the fucking... I'm not coming to your house and fucking, you know, I'm not erasing entombed off your fucking phone or anything. No, you want to listen to it, listen to it. That's fine. But the thing that kind of fucking gives me, that trips me out is like, like I said, they're way more popular now than they used to be. But again, this is a sound that hadn't been fucking tapped. Every other sound's been tapped into, man. I mean, let's be real. We're, you know, the era of invention is if, if it's not over, it's almost over. This was kind of an untapped source, you know? And so one, you tap the fucking style. Okay. So now you're getting into the OSDM stuff, right? Those, that style of riffs with that style of drumming as well. It's, it's a less technical style of drumming. Um, but you know, that bleeds into the death area that bleeds into massacre that bleeds into possessed and stuff like that, like pestilence. But what was left? The sound, right? And we had talked about this, the, the, that new HM2 sound where it fucking sounds cool on your fucking shitty little iPhone speakers. Like, mm-hmm. it sounds cool over shitty speakers because that guitar really cuts through, you know, on crappy speakers. Right. You know, but, but it cuts through on everything. I mean, it's, it's a really, it's a really, that, that might be another factor as to why they may have used it because recordings were tended to be muddy back then. That guitar sound will cut through all day. It's super thin, you know, and it's in a frequency where a bass isn't going to touch that frequency. Yeah. You know, I mean, unless your dude's romping on the cymbal, it's a pretty open frequency that you're going to have. You know, so, I mean, it does, it does make some room for the fucking bass guitar, and it also, you know, cuts through speakers, so it's a real fucking easy way to get your guitars to seem louder without actually jacking them up, thus allowing other things to come into the mix. But again, I, I just think, like, I don't... I don't know, like the way that they did it versus other bands at that time that were doing something similar with, you know, what's considered quote unquote the HM2 sound. I just think theirs doesn't fucking sound as good. I can see that. I, you know, it's funny too. I think of um, Dismember. I don't know how much longer the first album came out after Left Hand Path. Um, Clandestine? No, the first album after. Uh, for dismember, oh, dismember. Yeah, it's just like because to me, it almost seems like they were like this kind of alternate timeline band. Where what if they didn't experiment with with classic rock and they just kept going with the, the left hand path formula? And yeah, dismember did it a little more intense and a little heavier, right? But I just thought that that was funny that they were like kind of like almost this fork in the road thing. And uh, Nick Anderson from Entombed had some involvement on that first dismember album. I don't know about the others. I just, you know, it's all so like an ever flowing stream, which is a magnificent album. 
Uh, it was 91. Okay, so, yeah. So fairly close. I mean, it was a busy year for within him. a year. Yeah. So it's, it's interesting because, like, I like this member, but because all that stuff is so consistent, I stick with Entombed because it's just like, and even, even Left Hand Path, I'll just stick with the title track and be like, okay, what else is, you know? Uh, clandestine, eh, I go back to sometimes. I tell you what, so the, I'm assuming the first time you heard Clandestine would have been the um, original version uh, before uh, it got, oh, you heard the... Re- oh, well, yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was the original version. It just wasn't when it, like, right when it came out. Right, yeah. It was after I'd heard Wolverine Blues. Okay. You know. Because I've only heard the uh, the remastered version, and wow, does it make a difference. I, I went back and listened to the original version before. I was like, has it always sounded this good? You talking on the Spotify, on the Spotify ones? Uh, I don't think this was on Spotify. I had to find the original version on YouTube or something. Clandestine? Like yeah. Or maybe. I yeah, don't it's know. on Spotify. Okay. But like, yeah. The, I, cause I think I, both of them are on there. Yeah, because I, when I first got the CD, it was the yeah. it was the remastered version. I was like, this actually sounds pretty good for the time. And then I realized, oh, no, it's cause it, it's been redone very hard. But yeah, man, like, I don't know. I just enjoy the... So here's the thing. So you either go Entombed Who... Or you got a lot of people that, uh, or you know what I mean? Or, or it's definitely that. Yeah. Or you got a lot of people that like love them, love them, love them, love them, and I'm I'm somewhere in between where I do love them, but like not as much as the people that really, really, really love them, right? Like, yeah, man, same. I title track, left hand path. I'm good after that. Handful of songs. I'm Wolverine Blues, but like Uprising is the one for me. That was probably because that was around the time I was getting into them. That was the one that was just freshly out. I mean, even the rest of their discography, like, what is it, To Ride shoot, to ride Straight and Shoot the Truth or something like that? Whatever the one between Wolverine Blues something and Same like Difference that. is, yeah. That's a little too on the rocky side for me. Like, like it's, they go even further in and it's a little too boogie-woogie, even though that's that's fun and fine. Yeah. But, like, that's it's just, like, that's a little bridge too far. And then the one after that, Same Difference. Did you ever listen to Same Difference? That's a full-fledged, weird alternative rock yeah i've listened i've heard that before so that was one i heard when it came out okay and i definitely know that just especially because of the album cover Mm -hmm. and it tripped me out because it's like the fucking the font yeah now i know that they changed it because it's not the same on wolverine blues either Mm -hmm. but i never at the time i'd never heard the to ride shoot straight to ride shoot straight and speak the truth i'd never heard that at the time and then I saw, I remember listening to this Same Difference album, just going, what in the fuck? Dude, yeah, yeah, this yeah. is not the same band. That- so I had to search that down just because I was so curious, and this was before it was widely available again on, it wasn't even on YouTube really at the time. That's how long ago this was. I heard a conversation on a podcast between Jake from Converge and Thomas from At The Gates, um, who had not you know yet reformed. He was promoting Great Deceiver and... Uh, sphere at the time and they were just talking about like classic lost albums one of which being specifically they start with you know the standard cold lake which we've talked about in the past right and this is their version of yeah, this is yeah. entombs cold lake big time yeah and they were going what's the other band's cold lakes what, what's this band's cold lake or whatever because like specifically they left that one out of print for a long time so i ebayed it and <laughs> Because I was curious. I just really wanted to hear what's... It's fine for what it is. It's just a goofy, weird, okay rock record. It's it's, it's a curiosity thing more than anything else. And then sure enough, all those albums, specifically that go out of print, it was was that one with the long title that I don't feel like saying again. Uh, Uprising and and Same Difference, they, they put all this crazy stuff out a while back. 
uh, and remaster those albums. So I was like, well, shit. Of course. Uh, and now they're all up on streaming again. But like after that, uh, they kind of returned to a sort of clandestine left-hand path sound again. And I wasn't too fussed, and it seemed like most people weren't either. Then the last one they put out as Entombed was Serpent Saints, which is fun. Like, out of all of those, I think that's the one I would pay attention to the most, and it's, it's fine for what it is. When they parted ways and they, they did uh, Entombed AD, while Alex and all those other dudes retained the name Entombed, I never actually checked out Entombed AD, did you? Yeah. Yeah? Is I it, like it a little bit better. Okay. Is it more or less basically just a refined version of what they did before? Yeah, it's just a, it's just better sounding. But again, we have better equipment. And that's one of the reasons why I say yeah, I don't think they chose to make that sound. I think it was just a, you know, it was a situation where this is what we have. Like the early True Cult stuff, and we'll get into this whenever we get into like some black metal stuff, but like the early True Cult stuff, I mean, aside from the, you know, the we don't want it to be bass heavy, right? We want it to be more we want to go opposite of American death metal, which is fairly bassy, mm-hmm. somewhat muddy. We want it clear, but we also want that bass like drop real down. We want it to sound cold. That wasn't the, as far as like the shitty sound because you can have that sound without having without having it sound shitty, right? But as far as the shitty sound goes, that was solely because they just didn't have fucking money. Yeah, you know, it comes back to that Metallica thing of like when they recorded whatever album that was. I think it was a. Uh, was it Saint Anger? The one where they were like, "We want to get back to our roots. We want to we want to write it. You know, we want to get back to." I, I specifically remember there was reading a thing where they were saying like, "We want to get back to this idea of like we want you know that we recorded this album for fifteen hundred bucks." Yeah, I mean, that and I was like, "Well, Saint cool. Anger, then just yeah. don't spend a million dollars to make yeah. an album that sounds like fifteen hundred dollars. Right. Just spend fifteen hundred dollars and do it for real. Like yeah. make it. You know, it's the same kind of thing. It's like they they were just." making do with what they had available and because that was the start of it that became the sound so now all of the other bands that are coming out we're, we're taking that same sound you know and it's it becomes this it almost becomes like a life unto its own where it's like oh you know and it, it, you know you get this little cult following of like not even bands just like this fucking sound mm-hmm. and you know and Oh, they're geniuses for making this sound. They're geniuses for fucking having do the. And it's like they weren't fucking geniuses, man. They didn't do it on purpose. You know, it was it was a happy accident. Well, in fact, to them, it probably wasn't even happy. It was just an accident. They we don't know. They might have heard those fucking demos and be like, "This sounds like fucking total shit." Well, fuck it. We gotta go tour. You know, we got a record. Oh, fuck it. We got it. Got us a record deal. Like, all right, cool. You know, and the record label's like, well, this is the sound we want. And blah blah blah. I mean, it turns into this big thing where it's like you can romanticize this stuff a little, like a little too hard at times. And I understand. I mean, I used to do the same fucking thing, man. Like, I, fuck to some degree, some degree, I still do it too. Oh yeah, no. You know, I mean, yeah. it's what's so cool about music. You know, it it really can be whatever you want it to be. You know, you, sure. you, oh, they're fucking geniuses. They did this on purpose. Fuck yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I tell you what, it's just like those classic albums, right? I mean, Slayer didn't write fucking Rain and Blood thinking, yeah, dude, we got our fucking selves. A, this is going to be a fucking classic. Like, do the top of the chats. You, no, this is going to be a fucking all time classic fucking 40, 50 years from now. Did they fucking think that when they were writing? Probably not. They're probably just writing a fucking album. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, a lot of hit songs were written, weren't written, you know, to be hit songs, man. They were just written as songs and they became hit songs. Same same thing as this. I, I I there's something that tells me they didn't make this sound on purpose, you know. And I I do think it it kind of shows. And again, even them throughout their career, they 
tried to stay with that same type of sound, but as their career goes on, it sounds better than the first one. And again, it's because now instead of having, you know, a blown out fucking speaker and this fucking HM2, they may, you know, I don't know what their fucking gear was, but I mean, I tell you right now, a lot of amps, dude, it's not that hard to make that a sound like that. You know, you just got to know your way around a fucking EQ. And then it really comes down to how much, how much gain do you want? You know, I mean, tech talk, do you want tubes? Do you want fucking solid state type distortion? Do you want fucking this or that? Where's your distortion line? What, what frequency range is your gain in? You know, I mean, it's how, you know, how tight a gain do you want? I mean, all that stuff doesn't really fucking matter because the emphasis on this particular sound is that EQ range. That's what the, that's what the, what's the impetus of the sound is? I don't know if that's the right word. I'm not looking it up. Who gives a fuck? But like, that's what the sound is, is, is that frequency range. And that's, what's going to get it to cut through like it does. You know what I mean? There's hardcore bands doing using that fucking sound now. There's fucking old school death metal, new school death metal, fucking black metal bands, and bada. I mean, it's a pretty fucking big sound so, uh, sound right now. For the yeah. most part, I think most of that stuff sounds pretty fucking good. Well, let's let's get into that influence right there, because yeah, at first you had bands that were taking that again, primarily in the hardcore. Not you know taking away the Swedish death metal Stockholm specifically sound. Oh, uh, you know actually. We can go back to At The Gates, even. At The Gates started as that thing. You know, they didn't start out as the melodic death metal band they would be known as. They started out kind of forming their own sound, and they went to Sunlight Studios for the first EP and the second album. Same uh, producer. If you want to talk about a name, I'm not going to try to pronounce. It's that dude's last name, but it's another Thomas. A lot of Thomases in Sweden. But they started with the HM2 sound and kind of molded it into their own thing. And uh, we talked about this before. Apparently, In Flames asked at the gates if they could borrow that you know their equipment because they wanted to keep it into the quote-unquote Gothenburg sound to which they were denied uh and that's why in flames and all those other bands don't sound like there's you know at the gates is the link between the old school Stockholm sound and the Gothenburg sound that everybody knows now but after that you got Hatebreed Converge and Every Time I Die amongst others I'm sure taking that HM2 entombed thing and putting their own spin on it. What do you have after that? A few years later, Trap Them arrives on the scene, and they replicate that sound to a T. And to further your point, they're working with Kurt Ballou. I think Kurt Ballou did a better job of that sound than the actual, you know, originators ever did in Sunlight in Sweden. Oh, Um, yeah. And then from there, if I understand the story correctly... Todd from Nails specifically started Nails so he could start a band like that and work with Kurt Ballou, is what I thought I heard. Uh, and then you're off to the races, dude. Cult Leader, fucking, who do you got now? End. And this is all just bands in the hardcore scene, you know, like like there's a bajillion of them. Harm's Way. Although what Harm's Way does with that sound, I think, is really Dude, creative. even Year of the Knife has... Year of the Knife. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, dude. Any of these bands that work with Kurt Ballou, it's just like, again, Converge, put their own spin on it, and it's just like, no, 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 we want what you did for that last band. Who, who Again, you what you're is. really going for with that sound is that frequency range. And you really want that sound to cut through. I think I said it on the, de- on the, not debut, um, the album or albums of the year of, of uh, 2020. Mm-hmm. That was one thing I liked about year of the knife was it had that same sound, but they had that dark glass bass underneath it. Yeah. And now you have a little bit of separation where you could really hear the fucking bass, man. Cause the guitar isn't stepping all over it. Yeah. It's a solid sound to go with because it, fre- frequency-wise, it's not going to fucking 
guitars are so because the guitar sound covers such a huge fucking range on an EQ, probably more so than fucking drums, easily more than bass. It's super easy for fucking guitars to just bury everything, okay? And justice for all. Bass is fucking buried because the guitars are fucking taking up, they're eating up all the fucking low end. There's there's no room for the bass, it just gets fucking washed out. You can't even, you can't, you can hear it, you just don't know you can hear it, and you can hear it, you just can't tell it's there, right? right. This sound, you know, really fucking takes that, that low end out of the equation a little bit pops it up into, you know, a nice little spot there where you're not, I mean, dude, the biggest thing you're probably going to stomp on is maybe some cymbals, but cymbals have a lot more play as far as like farther to the right on the EQ. Okay. Now you can get your cymbal sounding like real splashy, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, frequency wise, it just makes a shitload of fucking sense. And I could see from Kurt Ballou's standpoint as a producer, actually probably less as a producer, more as like a, per, like a mixer. Oh, dude, yeah. I mean, like your job just got a million times easier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because there's a ton of bands <laughs> you know? that yeah went to work with him as a in a producer standpoint, but a lot of them are just mixed by Kurt Ballou. Um Yeah, it's it's it makes your job easier because again, you're not having to really fuck with too much stuff because everything is nice. It's everything's on its own platform, right? And it's like you don't have to try and like move this platform. If you move this platform down a little bit, then it drops the whole fucking thing out. No, man, everything's on a separate platform, and it's it's just gonna real. It's gonna mesh really fucking nice, man. You know, I just I just say like the idea of the sound is so much better than the actual fucking sound, the original one. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like For the sure. the OG fucking. This is, you know, and that's, I mean, again, that's another cool thing about music. Like, you know, you have this thing kind of happen and all it takes is you know, one person, 10 people, 100 people to hear it and get inspired by it. And then just we're off to the fucking races and everybody fucking runs. And because everybody's their own fucking style and everybody's their own person, they're going to have the same sound they're going to have the same sound but it's not going to sound exactly they're, so they're going to have a similar sound but it's not going to sound exactly the same yeah you know and that's the cool thing is like it inspires you know it, it inspires a lot these um these little happy accidents you know and i mean i don't know i mean i, I think it's the same as like anything you know it's like well you know if there wasn't this would there be this yeah sure we're at the point where i mean somebody would have come up with it <laughs> I mean, yeah. that's we're at that point and just just in time, you know, like so many so much time has gone by. It's like, well, yeah, some would have, you know, this would have happened anyway. But yeah, I mean, again, like I just when I say the guitars sound like shit, I mean, I don't particularly like this. I don't love the range. We didn't put out the guitar tones episode, but maybe we should redo it. Yeah. But you'll notice, man, like it's not in my, you know ideal top five guitar tone was it in mine it's been long it was in yours well no actually i don't know if it was in yours you yours was an honorable mention was the hm2 pedal in general yeah (laughs) i i I, and you know my stance has changed on a lot of but because of its influence it it was it was just a big thing but that's you know it's it's not a favorite of mine you know but it's just like um i don't know it's like people when you know metallica first came out and was you know pretty high gain and fairly scooped out man like the, you know oh that became that kind of became the sound and you know and it was it's 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 like that right i mean it's 
sounds inspire us. You know, you hear a certain sound and it inspires you to make a song with that sound. And it's like, fuck yeah, dude. Like, you know, and that's where our creative, our creativity and our imaginations can really run with these fucking sounds. Yeah. You know, no, absolutely. And it's just, and it's going back to that. I think what it is with the early in tune stuff is I like those first sounding as, you know, the first, cause that's like the only time they sounded exactly like that. Right. Like, and I get people not liking it, but like, it's fun for what it is. Again, to further your point, you really heard it get explored more as it went on and see what it's become now. So my list is dominated by Left Hand Path, mostly because that's the one I listen to the most. Also, shout out to Still Being Bummed, Dismember is not on Spotify. Is it still just those two songs from that uh, yeah. Swedish death metal comp? Um, Who were they on? Nuclear Blast? I don't know. You would think. Let me double check real quick. Because you know there's but, I mean, with, uh earache. I, I like I like the album Left Hand Path. I really do. I, I always mean, I always have liked that album. You see that artwork fucking everywhere now, dude. It's 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 omnipresent yeah, it's in a, so many ways. But I mean, matches. yeah, that's that's all I've always loved the album. You know, and again, I don't like the fucking guitar sound. I don't particularly like the the band. Again, but well, did you ever hear? I the, do like the vocals. I, the, I think the big thing, left hand path. That's the to me. That's the only vocals of LGs that I fucking like. I really, I mean, I like a lot of the riffs on Clandestine. Yeah, but man, the vocals are just so. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. rough, dude. Like when I say something like, "Oh, you know, like Dream Theater," when people bring up Dream Theater, <laughs> bring up Megadeth. I mean, you know, I, I joke around. I mean, this is my chance. To say to all the other people, the same same shit I've been hearing my whole life about fucking death metal, and that's, the music's good, but I don't like the vocals. Actually, I should say it like they do. The music's good, but I don't yeah. like the vocals. Why do they have to scream? I can't understand what they're saying. The music's good, I don't like the fucking vocals, right? I mean, mm-hmm. that's the big thing. But I, again, I will listen to Dream Theater. I will listen to Megadeth. I will listen to Entombed. I, it's nothing I hate so bad I can't listen to it at all. But there is certain things. Like, if I'm going to listen to Entombed, this is the album. Like, Left Hand Path is the album I'm listening to. Well, I I'm, could, yeah, I can see that. I went the through case. their whole catalog. I even went through the Entombed AD stuff, dude. I went through everything. And it was so difficult, man. Because, one, I wasn't in the mood to fucking listen to it at all. Two, pretty much all of it. I don't like it. But I did it anyway. And... You know, really just solidified, like, okay, man, I don't like it. You know, I mean, it's it's like when we did the Slipknot episode. I really found out, like, man, I don't fucking like this band. You know? But that's another, that was another band. Was, man, the guitars sound like shit. But, I mean, I understand, I guess, you know, that was more of a production thing. You know, I, I, I think that was more of a, a Ross Robinson. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, we induced thing on that. type of thing. You know, where this is, I think it might have just been a, a means kind of deal was well, so you say that i just like i've never thought of it that way so that's interesting but part of me wonders if that is the case because like i hear all these stories about like you know they put a fucking on left hand path it's a, an electric drum kit put through a distortion pedal maybe they were just throwing shit at the wall and seeing what stuck you know there's the stories about um and this has definitely got to not be the case anymore because that dam's burst wide open but the the stories of um Alex from Entombed trying to buy up all the remaining original run, you know, because they were, the HM2's been out of print for a while, or out of production, whatever you would call it, and he was supposedly going up trying to buy the rest so nobody could else could have the sound, but that was a while ago at this point. But I, yeah, I love little stories like that. <laughs> That's idiotic. I know. Well, yeah, it's, it's one of those, oh, who knows? Who knows if it's true or not? Um, 
I just think that's funny. Uh, but, like, I don't know. I could go either way on that. But, you know, it's oh, man. You said two things that is like, oh, dude, future episodes. What might be interesting is bands, top five bands whose music you like but you can't stand, or but the vocals are a deal breaker for you. Um, right. I like the top five. I like the music, but I don't like the vocals. Yeah, and then conversely, um, five albums, you love the music, but you hate the production or whatever. I don't know. That's just something that came to mind yeah. just now. Like I already just thought of a bunch right now. But, yeah, uh, did you ever check out Firespawn? I didn't no. know about this band until LG passed away and then Gunface was bringing it's it up. It's a band? Yeah, it's it's another band that um, that LG did that's, like, way more, I don't know if traditional you want to call it, but yeah, but closer to the lines of what, you know, Death Metal ended up becoming that LG also did. And I, I never heard of him until Gunface brought him up when we were talking about LG the day he passed away. And so I checked it out. It was actually pretty fun. Oh, wait, I did hear this. Okay. I don't think I listened to any of it, though. It sounded fun. It, it definitely sounded like, you know... It's like what you think of like when you hear some bands just like death metal. It's like, oh, okay. And then it's like you hear bands that are death metal, death metal. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it's one of those. I was like, oh, okay. You know, because all these other guys went on to do other things. With Nick, or Nick, whatever, Nick Anderson, you know, after, after Entombed, he quits to form uh, the Helicopters. You know, H-E-L-L-A, Helicopters. And they're like a garage. Oh band. yeah, I've heard of that. And stuff. I don't, I don't care for that particularly that style. But like, he was, he's pretty good at it. He was fun. Uh, and then I brought this band up before. Is when he wanted to get back to playing death metal. He he started Death Breath with um, Scott from Repulsion, and I think somebody from Carnage. I remember you talking about that band before. Yeah. And and the whole trip being, well, we don't know what modern death metal is supposed to sound like. So here's like what our impression of death metal would sound like in the 60s and 70s. And I love it. I wish they would put out another album. But I mean, it's been almost 15 years at this point. And then he's doing a band called Lucifer. And it's like, you know, it's it's stoner. And I, I love stoner when it's done well. A lot of it can be very, you know what to expect, you know, kind of thing. Uh, and that's where his focus seems to mostly be put in these days. But, you know, all the members that have come and gone went on to do other things. Woofie from uh, Entombed did Disfear, dude. I fucking love Disfear. Disfear's the good time. Swedish yeah, D-Beat. Yeah, Disfear's pretty good. Yeah. I don't listen to a ton of D-Beat, but, you know, them, obviously, um, Discharge. You know, that's a whole world unto itself. But, you know, they got a lot of things, you know, a lot, a lot of different fingers and different pies, and I kind of dig that. And then, so yeah, you had the, the split where it became LG split off with some of the guys that were in the, at the time, current Entombed lineup and became Entombed AD. And then Alex, it was Alex, Nick, uh, Ufi, and maybe somebody else from the more classic lineup for reforming as Entombed and playing clandestine in, in its entirety, presumably because that was the only one LG wasn't on. Yeah. Um, Did you listen to that? Yeah. Yeah, that's good. pretty sweet. Yeah, they did. Well, okay, so they do all of it, but then they close with Left Hand Path. Yeah. And it's just, it's because it's cool to hear, like, okay, here's what they sound like now doing that. You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> yeah. okay, it's like it's, it's an alternate universe. And I noticed the dude they have on vocals is also an Anderson, but he was born in either the late 80s or 90s. So I was like, is this Nick's kid or something? I don't, I don't know. It's interesting. And I saw that guy has his own thing, but I could understand why. A lot of people wouldn't be into this. I could understand why this would be the only band of this ilk that anybody gets into. I can understand why people like them so much. You know, it's, it's a band with a legacy. I don't know what they're going to do from here on out. I mean, they weren't, you know, LG wasn't officially part of Entombed, Entombed. 
So I don't know how much that would affect whatever they were or weren't going to do moving forward. But, you know, I respect the hell out of the legacy. Uh, we're going to get into what album is my favorite very shortly. I was going to say, like, are you familiar with, like, the kind of like the rest of the Swedish Big Four? Like, yeah, I How mean, familiar are you with that, those vaguely, bands? Vaguely, vaguely. Um, same deal. Dismember, like, I like what I've heard. But, like, again, like, after a couple songs, I'm good. Grave, I really like. The Grave, I just need to period get into more. Oh, Grave. I, <clears throat> Grave's easily my favorite out of all of them. I can see that. And then in Unleashed, I you know, the whole thing with Unleashed, he, um, they pretty much said that they were breaking Nihilist up, and then they reformed without that dude on, on bass. Specifically, Damn, that's, that's a chicken shit thing to do. Yeah, well, supposedly he's pretty dumb. <laughs> so you hear the story about, um, what was it? Probot. Dude was supposed to be on Probot because Dave Grohl really liked uh, Unleashed. Yeah. And then he found out there were some alleged neo-Nazi ties. And so he got maybe sixth from the album and dude came out and was like, what they all say, I, they claimed to have no Nazi affiliation. We're not a racist band. We're not a quote unquote political band or whatever. I remember going on their website years ago and I don't believe this says this on there anymore, but I remember reading something and I could be wrong, but like archives a thing now too. So it's probably not totally difficult to find again, but I remember reading something along the lines of addressing rumors of them being racist and they say we're not a racist band we just believe in the purity of you can take it from there we believe in purity blah 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 so immediately off the bat that fucking ruins unleashed for me altogether you know what i mean like so i never gave a fuck about them based on that yeah, i never knew that i always liked the with unleashed i always liked the early stuff but wasn't a big fan of the later stuff just because the vocals got a little blah, blah, blah. Well, I think and it was like okay dude it would have been whatever was out at the time is the only thing i would have heard i don't know because they you know all I mean, those i don't know bands, they got these albums that like something about the white christ and stuff and to put it into context. It's like in search of in search of the white Christ. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean that could be fucking tongue in cheek satanic shit too. It or, could, but yeah, you know. But yeah, I mean, I've never, I've never read anything like that. I mean, again, we need a fucking database of piece oh, of yeah. shit bands. That, that, that's the thing is I've had to scrutinize things a little more than I have. Immediately when I see black metal is in the title as like a dominant thing, and they're not from. Even that's not an excuse anymore. Like you know what I mean? Like I, I got I gotta scrutinize things a little more. If I see somebody, you know, well, I see black metal now. I'm like, so are you like satanic black metal? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or are you, you like do? wartime black metal? Because yeah. ch- chances are, if you're wartime black metal, I'm not gonna listen to it. But just because you're probably a fucking Nazi. Yeah, yeah. There's we could get into a whole episode on that. Um, <laughs> yeah. I guess we gotta talk about black metal in general. Get a black metal special or something going. Yeah, we should do one. Um. Anyways, but like as far as like. Because we always, I mean, when I was growing up, dude, when you talk about Sweden, you're talking about Gothenburg, because that was what was popping off at the time. Um, and it seems like, just in general, a lot more people are curious about the whole Stockholm thing that's going on right now. Gate Creepers leading the way in a big, big way. And, you know, that's obviously based, you know, not all the old school death metal resurgence stuff is based on that, but the, a lot of the big ones are, and Gate Creepers fucking leading the way. And they specifically say they're more entombed, or excuse me, um, dismembered than entombed as well. Oh, shit, maybe when it all goes back up on streaming, it'll be an episode we get to another day. But like, also around the same time, we talked. You you got Carnage, you got all these other little things. Like, it's just there's always more to learn, and, and I think that's kind of cool about that whole wave. I was, I oh yeah, there's a big gonna... difference between the Swedish death metal scene and the Swedish melodic death metal scene. Oh yeah, like it's a pretty big 
Big difference. Yeah. You know, I mean, I that's that's why I, I, I feel like I, I think that's one reason why I'm drawn to the Swedish melodic death metal scene also is the songs are more intricate. The riffs are more, there's more to yeah. all of it. All the Swedish death metal stuff was a, a really simplified, almost dumbed down version of American death metal is to the point where it kind of sounded like mediocre-ish a little bit. Yeah, I can see that. Are you now, in- now, as it goes on, and, and Tomb kind of went the death and roll route, you know, uh, bands like Grave, you know, went more like, okay, and by, I mean, then they started writing some fucking riffs, man. I mean, they started getting a little more, not saying you got to be fucking technical, man, but damn, dude, there's a point where it's like you're listening to this stuff and you're just like, dude, like, who's writing this shit? Like, I mean... An eight-year-old could write this riff, you know. Yeah, and not sure. saying the eight-year-old can't write a good riff. I'm not saying that. Plenty of fucking simple songs. It's just everything. It it just sounds. I don't know. There's there's a difference where you listen to even ten bands doing the same death and roll thing. I mean, one of those bands is probably going to hit you a, a little bit better than the others. One band's going to be better at it than others. I mean, it's that's just how it fucking goes, man. I mean, and I just never really felt like entombed again. Until like three years ago, as far as I knew, man, they had like hardly any fans. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they weren't, I'd never heard anybody fucking talk about Entombed. No one. You know, pretty fucking rare. And then like three, four, three to four years ago, well, probably more like th- two to three years ago, all of a sudden, you know, maybe it's just because I finally got on Twitter or something. But all of a sudden I just see this, there's this huge, not huge, it might not be that many people. It just might be that they're super loud about it. I, but yeah, all of a sudden, I, yeah. Entombed is like the big fucking thing. And I'm like, what the fuck? I like, think it's all the bands that they influence. So, you know, because it's like there's young kids that are getting into Entombed now because like because Oh, of well, nails. there's always that. I mean, yeah. it's but it's like there's there was some guy posted a tweet. Op, I, I can't remember who the hell it was, but he posted this thing about it. And he was like, you know, I, it's something about, you know, people, you know, metal Twitter being a, a, a really strange scene because... You know, everybody's fucking glowing up a fucking Z-list fucking band, you know? like. And he said he even said, he's like, power to you, you know, because if you don't fucking champion them, no one else is probably going to champion them, right? But then he said, but the only thing I have a problem with is it does get a little bit, like there's a little bit of, a, uh, it has a little bit of a stench of elitism all over it. And it does get like that. I mean, there yeah. are people literally right now saying, like, Entombed is the best band ever, and it's the greatest fucking sound. And it's like, okay, now, do you want to argue with the people? Do you not want to? Chances are, if you look up any type of music, you'll find somebody saying it's the best. So that's fine. It's just surprising to me that it's this band because it's kind of out of nowhere. With the amount of other, well, there's Grave, there's Unleashed, there's Dismember, right there. All those bands are right there. Not to mention any of the other bands. There's all these other bands, these other Z list bands. You know, I'm not saying Entomb's a Z-list band. I definitely think they're at least a fucking B-list. A-list for fucking Swedish. But I mean, yeah, there's all these other bands. And it's just like, you don't quite see it as much as... They're just the new hot thing right now. And it's so weird because... What are the other bands? Huh? Like, what other bands get brought up? Well, I mean, with like the OSDM stuff. I mean, there, there's people talking about Entomb. Like, there's people talking about Blood Incantation. You know, another band that I don't necessarily see why so many people you know are so vocal about it yeah that's yeah you know other than maybe they're just vocal about it because no one else is right i mean 
it's not saying all of them are like this. I'm just saying like there's some of this kind of thing happening where it's like, I'm sure you've had a friend that like, or, you know, you've had acquaintances or known people who they only like it because it's not popular. Oh yeah, for sure. You know what I mean? Like that's just as bad as liking something only because it's popular. You're like the opposite of a fucking sellout, right? I mean, that's, but it's the same thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you're, you're just on the opposite, opposite side. You're still a fucking poser. Yeah, yeah. Contrarianism. You know, you're, you're a fucking poser just as much as the guy that, you know, oh, I only like this because, you know, like, like he's a front runner, right? He's like, oh, this is the best, you know, this band's like, oh, I have all, all these chicks like this fucking band or, oh, this band sold this many albums. They must be awesome. Or, oh. They're, they have the number one song. I'm going to listen to this stuff. You know, and you have these kids that sit back and like, all oh, these fucking bitches, you know, they just like everything. There's all oh, their bunch of sheep and shit like that, right? Where like, you have the opposite of that. Where it's like all these fucking people that see all of the popular stuff and they see what a lot of people fucking like and they purposely don't like that stuff. And they purposely listen to it. It's, it's all intent, right? I mean, that's what the, the intent is. Um, yeah. You know, and, and that's the thing. Like they get a little bit high and mighty you know, as well. They're, they're just as high and mighty as anybody else is, you know. I've met a few people like that in my life where it's like, yeah, the only reason, and it's not just with music, man, it's with everything. The only reason you're wearing these fucking clothes or the only reason you're dressing like that is because no one else, it's, it's a real weird thing, but you see that a lot on fucking Twitter. So yeah, I mean, I'm sure there's some of that, you know, but I mean, I don't think it's all that. I mean, because especially like, I mean, I've seen some of these tweets, man. Some of these people are pretty fucking intricate, like why they like some of this stuff, you know? So it's like, okay. I think overall right now, as far as metal culture, if you want to call it, that goes, you know, there's a much wider spectrum of stuff than there was before. And a lot of this stuff, you know, cross pollinates and bleeds into one another in an interesting ways, man. You're at a point, dude, where there's no, because we're not getting force fed stuff. You don't have a dominant scene or a dominant style or a dominant genre. You just have everything at the table. Absolutely. And what you end up with this man is if you're if you're looking at that table, you're just watching a huge fucking free-for-all of just everybody at this table just stuffing their fucking face as fucking fast it's as they can. It's a gnarly buffet, dude. Yeah. It's, 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 it's easy to get overstuffed and still keep going at well, the yeah, same time. Especially as fast as, as fast as we can get it, too. Right. I mean, it's it's pretty fucking incredible time to be a fan of music. I mean, that's, you know, and, and I mean, I know it might seem weird to for some people to think that there aren't fans, there are people who aren't fans of music, but there are people that aren't, you know, it doesn't mean they don't like it. It just means they're not that into it. Mm -hmm. Uh, My dad is one of them, but that's even for them. It's still good. You know, because if they're all, when they do listen to something, they might listen to the old faithful. And then all of a sudden they might try out something new because there's Spotify showing you, well, you might like this. Yeah. My sister, it'd be fun to have her on to talk about this one day. When she was working for the Padres, she used to work a lot of big, big fucking shows. She she did the uh, Taylor Swift show when she played the ballpark. She did um, was she Pot Squad? Well, uh, like the people like, that throw she... the shit into the crowd. No, she was like behind the scenes. Oh, big okay, up. okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, and I and I would pick her up like because she's you know she'd be exhausted by the end of the day and not want to drive home or worry about driving home after. So I'd pick her up after she was done. And it was Billy Joel was the one that broke the camel's back for her. She's like, what the fuck is it with people that like Billy Joel so much? <laughs> and she's like, the whole right. She's giving all these little things. Just like, and she, she just fucking sits at the piano the whole time. And then, oh, what's his big surprise? He finally stands up for the last song. 
And then I'm just and just like, well, just out of curiosity, do you know what he closed with? I don't know his fucking song. Something about only the good die young. And I'm like, only the good die young. And he's just like, and and I try to break it. She's like, what the fuck? Why, dude? Like, the Rolling Stones have played here, and Mick Chat, you know, like Rolling Stones put on a show. It's like, you know, it's like, why the fuck do people like Billy Joel so much? It's just like, well, think, man, if you're that's like the only thing you listen to. If like music is the last priority on your list, and it's like, you know, the most background thing, right? And like, this is like the one <laughs> night you quote unquote go off and go crazy because she said the people were getting fucking rowdy in the crowd, you know middle-aged white suburban rowdy but you know what i mean like it was just it was just an interesting analysis and i was like yeah man think about people who music is just well, a very casual sister. thing for allison mm-hmm. i mostly like billy joel he's fine well okay i mostly like billy joel hit songs but i'm with you on one song fucking piano man sucks i hate that fucking song there's used to, there's a lot more hate about Piano Man than I seem to uh, have known in recent time. It's like I find out more and more people. There's a lot of song. old stuff like that that's younger people now, and I don't know how old your sister is, but younger people now are finally coming out and saying like, you know, you don't fuck this band, you know, like, or fuck this group. Like, yeah. you don't have to. I mean, I think to some degree, you know, I think a lot of people probably like your age are getting to the point where well, here's what I think it is, you know. As much as I love classic rock, man, I've been listening to those fucking songs for 40 fucking years, dude. Mm-hmm. I'm sick of hearing them, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, people get sick of hearing it, and they're like, you know, fuck this shit. Like, why do I like this? Because it hasn't been, like, 18 different movies that I've watched? Like, fuck that shit. Yeah, I don't yeah. have to like that song, you yeah. know? And so it's like, yeah, you don't have to like that shit. I think to her point, though, it was just a crowd. Like, like the shitty... Well, so that's something we're going to get into on our next episode because this time episode was supposed to be, we were supposed to be recording uh, Bon Jovi. And that's something we got to get into on that episode for sure. I could only begin to imagine, you know, is, dude. Is the audience, right? I mean, that's something we will be talking yeah, about for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Could you imagine like, what a 1980s Bon Jovi audience, how different <laughs> it is to a 2020s, yeah, you know what I mean? But yeah, man, we'll, we'll get into that. That's, that's going to be, we like to cover a spectrum here. Actually, and then there's actually one uh, thing that I'll actually save for that episode, too. Until then, let's get into the list. The list! Would you like to start with your honorable mentions? None. (laughs) Good times. (laughs) So mine's somewhat sparse. Going Demon off of Wolverine Blues, just because I like that stompy riff and that just, uh, at the beginning. And then... um, so we talk about, what are the albums that people talk about the most when they talk about Entombed? For the most part, it seems like Wolverine Blues, uh, which was the one. That seemed like it was the one when I was growing up. But now it seems like it's Left Hand Path is the one, right? Everybody talks about Left Hand Path more than anything, it seems. And then you got people that talk about Clandestine a lot. My favorite still, Uprising. That was just like, it's like a, a better version of Wolverine Blues to me. That's like what's still really rocky, but like I enjoy it. It's it's fun riffs, and I and I listen to all everything for the most part. You know, up to that point, pretty much. Again, leading up to this, just going, is this really still how I feel? Is Uprising still my favorite? Oh yeah, no, it definitely is. Gonna hear a lot in the list already, but I especially want to shout out the, the whole album, but especially Insanity's Contagious, Return to Madness, Come Clean, and In the Flesh. Wow, all those next to each other almost sound like a weird sentence. <laughs> Anyways, um, but yeah, man, I was just like, we talk about 
you know, iconic art a lot. You recognize the cover for Wolverine Blues, but I'm not really fucking sure what it is. You know what I mean? It's it's like, I've never been able to figure out. It's, it's a close-up of something, right? Album after that. Is it like a, it's like a fucking skull or something? Yeah, something, yeah. Yeah, um, and then there's the special edition where it's a cover made in conjunction with Marvel and it's Wolverine, super 90s Wolverine. All, oh, yeah, I do remember that. Yeah, and, uh, and then the album after that, it reminds me of, like, an attraction for Disneyland that you would find in the jungle area or whatever. I don't know. You know what I mean? It looks like a poster for something like that. So to ride, shoot straight, and speak the truth? Yeah, that one. It reminds, that's what that reminds me okay, of. Okay, so the one that's on Spotify looks like an ad. Yeah. That's, yeah, exactly, <laughs> you know? yeah. I mean, it's, I'm going to see if there's, if that's the actual um, album cover. Is that the real album cover? It should be, yeah. Where it, lo- where it looks like a poster of, of some sort for, uh, yeah. That one, right? Yep. Yeah, that's, it was a very, that might be one of the worst album covers I've ever seen. It's a very 90s aesthetic, if you think about like a, a lot of stuff that was going on right there. Album after that, same difference. It's straight up. It's it's um, it's Alice in Chains self-titled, right? Where it's a three-legged dog or something <laughs> like that. It took me years to figure that yeah, out too. I was like, wait a second. Uh, anyways, after all that, what dude, year was what year was the Alice in Chains album out? Did this just totally cop it because it's all got the sepia tone and shit? Yeah, I want to say Alice in Chains was '96. That's what I'm thinking as well. Yeah, so somewhere around that area. Because I remember them being up for a MTV <laughs> uh, Video Award that year. We want to go into some alternative rock, man. Like, what's a cool album cover? Oh, maybe if we make it look like this. Yeah, for real. You know what I mean? Like, not, not Dapple doesn't too fall or far, too fall from the tree. But yeah, other than that, dude, Left Hand Path, iconic as hell. Dan Seagrave. Oh, yeah. Seagrave's a man. Possibly. Dude, we could get into Dan Seagrave. Did he do Clandestine also? Yes. Yeah. Uh, which is actually pretty similar to... Um, like an ever-flowing stream. Yeah, right? Yeah. Like, which is like, one of my favorite album covers yeah, ever. definitely has a, a style that's recognizable. We could do a whole thing on dancing. Oh, right? yeah, like, easily. Yeah, anyways, Uprising, dude, that weird demon face thing. It's, it's Reminds me of... Uh, kind of reminds me of a Motorhead cover a little bit. I, that too, for sure, but it's like the closest thing they have to... A little to more like, stark. Yeah, something of a mascot, right? But like... Yeah. But I, I like just, that they went back to the logo. Yeah, for you know, sure, for sure. On that one, the yeah. old, the, well, the old logo. Yeah, uh, but like, like Andy from Every Time I Die, because he always goes back and forth on about talking about Entombed being one of his biggest influences. And every time I die, he'll rock, he'll rock that shirt, and he'll also have the hat while wearing a vest that has the back patch of that on the back and having the sticker on his guitar, dude. Jesus, yeah, man. Um, like I, I fucking love that album. Morning Stars album cover would have been so much cooler if they would have used the, the same logo in that stained glass. Yeah, yeah. It would have been so much cooler. I feel like there's some missed opportunities on those next couple albums. Anyways, I also got to shout out uh, the covers, man, because they do a fuck ton of covers that would have made the list had they actually been their songs, but they're not. So I would have, automatically they're disqualified. But, dude, Rory Erickson's Night of the Vampire I love. Um, I can't remember if it's Bursting Out or Busting Out by Venom, a song I never even heard until i heard the uh entombed version and i was like well i gotta go check this out they do fucking bad brains they do a cool black breath by repulsion like there's just a lot they have an entire double album of covers from over the years man like i love the covers but yeah that's it as far as 
as far as all that goes. Oh, and I also got a shout out just because we were going back about the origins of that whole Swedish scene. It's just like, it's funny to me that every fucking band is influenced by autopsy in some way or another. They always say <laughs> autopsy. Even at the gates, they say when they first got together, the first thing they did was play autopsy covers. Like, it's just funny. It's just like, why that band, man? It's just, it's, it's interesting. Weird. It's funny. Um, so I'm actually kind of surprised there was no autopsy cover for in tomb that I could find, but I don't know. Yeah, I like their cover of God of Thunder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which Death also did. It's an interesting yeah, choice. Did it like a thousand times better, but yeah. I just um, realized I said a thousand times, a thousand times. So yeah, yeah. we're gonna have an a thousand times counter, <laughs> and when when it reaches a drink, thousand, drink every time yeah. Jason says a thousand times. Yeah, when it reaches <laughs> when it reaches a thousand, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, we'll it will say that that's what happened. Do you want a prize? Get out of here. But yeah. What is your number five? Uh, so this is the only one that's not really in the early stuff. It's kind of an amalgamation of the whole album, of the album Inferno. The the song Retaliation, it's it reminds me a little bit of a... So it reminds me of like a stoner rock-ish, high on fire. Have you ever heard of that band Conan? Pretty cool. Yeah, I just um, haven't heard him a lot. But I like... I just... I really like the intro, and then I like how that main riff, the like it's uh, pretty cool, nice and simple. I mean, as a lot of this whole like death and roll stuff goes, mm-hmm. but I also wonder if one of the reasons why I like it is, well, I mean this this is one where I think the vocals work a little bit better. He's doing the a little bit of like a heavier. Or heavy, not he- well, not much heavier version of like what Matt Pike does with mm-hmm. High on Fire. If you've ever listened to them very much, oh yeah, yeah, for sure. I, that that might be why. I mean, if we're being totally honest, I think High on Fire might be the best Death and Roll. It's kind of like that. I mean, that's close enough. A lot sure. of the Death and Roll stuff is like Sludge and Stoner stuff. Yeah, not Sludge in the sense of slow. But sludge in, in the sense of the yeah, like the little bit of the boogie, yeah, groove, the, the chunky riffs and you know the groove stuff, uh, but also like the production values and whatnot. Um, and then the same with the stoner rock. I mean, there's there's a real fine line between sludge and stoner, but uh, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, get into a whole thing. I think about... a lot of the death and roll stuff kind of like is is right in there, you know? Oh yeah. Because a lot of the sludge stuff, I mean, they do have like the lower vocals, you know, screaming vocals. You know, I think that's probably the biggest difference between stoner and, and sludge is, is the vocals. You know, generally the yeah. a lot of the stoner stuff doesn't scream much, but you get into a whole thing about the difference between sludge, stoner, doom, and even post metal up to a certain point. Like because like I agree, like because when I think stoner, I think way more laid back. But I've heard some fucking aggressive stoner this week, man. We'll get into that a uh, time, but like, oh yeah, it was. I had, we had a blast with that yesterday. Um, so, anything else you want to add see. to that? No, that's that's about it. There. Make me What's realize your number five? I need to get more into High on Fire. Maybe they're pretty cool. Yeah, I saw them live once. My number five, off Wolverine Blues. I'm going Hollow Man. Really getting into the the rockier territory here. Quite literally, like that's just this, a song that makes me want to fucking boogie, man. <laughs> Have you ever? Remember that old that Friends episode when when Phoebe's like you know she says something, I can't remember what you're talking about she says Spider Man uh, I was never a Friends Chan- guy I've never seen Chan- I don't know. Chan- <laughs> he's like he's like it's Spider Man it's not his last name you like Spider Man the- so the guys from We Hate Movies you know every time like they would see something like Hollow this Hollow Man and they'd be like Hollow Man yeah okay you know? yeah yeah 
I'm trying to remember if the Hollow Man EP came out first or or it came out after Wolverine Blues, but I was just like, because there's like a slightly different version there, I think. There's a, ver- well, we'll get into that. But like, it's just a fun song. There's, I don't even remember the video. That fucking wham Yeah. It's, it's <laughs> possibly the most rocky song on the album, man. Because even then, like, even though it's not as intense as, as Left Hand Path, it's still, it's still pretty aggro, the man. Is the band, 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 and, 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 yeah. It's, it's very. It definitely. Yeah, it's very borderline southern. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, that's. That's another thing. I mean, this is. It is very. Uh, I mean, I think if you like this, I mean, you would love High on Fire. You should, yeah, yeah. You should definitely go on a High on Fire, high on fire day. For go sure. Go on a binge. Binge some High on Fire for sure. It's it's like this mixed with like Motorhead a little bit. I oh, mean, yeah. It's... And I definitely remember the Motorhead comparisons. Because it's the dude, uh, Matt Pike was in Sleep, right? Yeah. And Sleep is another one I've only ever really dipped my toe on. And they're like... They're a lot slower. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like... Yeah, we'll get into that. Um, yeah, yeah, because that's, that's a whole can of worms. We got all these little pocket things we need to get into. Like where it's got to be like genre discussion days. Talk about black metal. Do stoner sludge do? Oh yeah, we need to do some more deep dives on some genres. And do we whatnot. have any friends that are big stoner guys or doom guys or anything? No, I don't. Not that I know of. We'll have to look. I mean, that. I know plenty of stoners, but oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, <laughs> that's a whole other matter. Uh, on that note, your number four, please. Carnal leftovers. Great title, dude. I'm trying to listen to some of these, like, like man, I've been so we. Full disclosure, this is the first time we've recorded in person in yeah, a long since time. Since March 14th of last year, of 2020. Yeah. It was right before. Like right, over, right, right a little before. over a year. Yeah. Um, so nor, what we've been doing is recording on Zoom, and I have like my Spotify going. I can listen to the songs while we're, while we're doing the episode and stuff. And uh, we got together this time, and I'm like, man, how am I going to listen to the songs? And I'm like, mm-hmm. man, I just, I need a device with a, you know, and I was like, oh, wait, yeah, I'm not coming through the headphones when we record. <laughs> I could just hook them into my phone. But it's got the, that little, I mean, it's almost slipknotish a little bit, but then it's got the big hanger. You know, the, I want to say classic, you know, thrash uh, style beat or whatever. I like towards the end. A lot of these, I mean, this is stuff towards the end, but it, it breaks down to that. And then it's got this little. I mean, it's real chunky towards the end, but man, when he gets that delay on the vocals, fuck. It's one of the things I remember when I listened to when I heard it the first time. It's one of the things I remembered about it. Some of the things they do that were different, you know. And it was they had this this at the, at the, the whole end part, like the like, quote unquote breakdown at the end. I guess there's this whole thing where he's like doing the vocals. And he's got this crazy fucking delayed thing over top of it. And it's very odd because man, there's not a lot of bands that do that. Even back then, even today, there's just not a lot of bands that utilize that sort of thing. I always thought it sounded really fucking cool. But, I mean, it's a pretty standard, you know, I mean, again, this is Swedish death metal, but, I mean, this is more like a kind of like a thrash song, really. I mean, a lot of the stuff is, a lot of the early death metal stuff is just thrash, you know, heavy thrash. So, yeah, if you get a chance to listen to it, and listen, listen towards the end. I think it's around, give you a timestamp here. 
So it really breaks down like around two minutes. You know, like uh, this little run thing. And then so you're probably around like 2.30 or so. You know, he starts he starts singing. It's got this fucking crazy delay on it. And I mean, probably not a big deal now. But I mean, put yourself in 1990 and <laughs> put yourself in 1990 at a party. You're all fucked up and you're hearing this stuff that you've never heard before. And that'll, that'll pretty much put you where I was at. <laughs> you know? And, uh. I don't know. I mean, it's not terrible. Like I said, left-hand path, I do like the album. So what is your number four? Speaking of left-hand path, title track. This is the one that people seem to cite the most, man. I'm going to hold off on this one. I figured as much. Um, (laughs) I might as well then. We we can get into it. Or I will say, what the hell is the sample in the beginning, Thumb? I I thought it was Hellraiser because, like, a lot of the shit's about Hellraiser in those earlier days. Maybe not. And then I... Have you ever seen any of the... Um, Just that little scream thing? Yeah, at the beginning. I thought yeah, it was I'm Hellraiser. Sure. I'm not sure. I haven't seen Hellraiser in years. I, I, I've been, Fuck, that's I haven't one of those seen it in a long time either. Yeah. I, that's, that's, dude, that's one of those... That's, yeah. And, that's a uh, series that went downhill pretty fast. Well, that's what I hear. It's <laughs> like, I hear after two or three, which I do want to watch. Same with Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I love the first two movies. That's why I'll never watch any of the ones after them. It don't bother. Yeah. Um... Now, Hellraiser's like the first one's really good, second one's a gore fest, and it's garbage after that. Yeah, that's what I hear. But the end, I, that's always just been, you know, left-hand path to me. But from what I understand, that that's like the, what, Phantasm? Is that the, the, the tall man? With the little ball? Yeah. Was like, a ball with like a blade on it or yeah, something? Yeah, yeah. Is, is, I think that's, I heard that's the uh, theme song for that. I don't know. I've only, I've only ever seen the third of those movies. 20 plus years ago. Oh, yeah. TV. It says right here, Phantasm. Okay. I, I that, that, That's one I need to try. I never, Intro and main title. Yeah. <laughs> Phantasm's also, you know, where Mortician got their name. Guy was a mortician. He's the tall man or whatever. I mean, it's a job, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, like all their old <laughs> shit was adorned and... Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, fucking straight up. The fir- I can't wait to do Mortician, by the way. But like, I think it's like the first or second Mortician demo is just a picture of his face Xeroxed from a, uh, a still from the movie. So it must have been paused. I don't know. And you got to think, you know, early Fix the tracking. 90s Fix the tracking. Yeah, man. Like, fucking, uh, that'll be fun. That's just a classic song, obviously, right? It's, it's the one people go to the most, it seems. I, yeah, we'll, we'll save the rest of that for later. On that note, what is your number four? My number four off left-hand path is Premature Autopsy. This is as heavy as his vocals get, man. That fucking weird modulation he puts on his voice. It's so fucking cool, man. Like, So when I heard this, I actually didn't look it up to see if it was... Because I don't actually know if I heard it. It was probably like 91, I think, is probably when I heard it. I don't think it was 1990. But, I mean... I remembered this song and just the crazy like sounding vocals on it because when I first heard I think it was Deicide's first album if not the first one the second both the first and second one like the shit scared me it it sounded scary at the time like, and yeah. that's what and it reminded me of you know like okay I have heard something similar to mm-hmm. this and it was this fucking song, dude. dude. It's so fucking cool. Yeah, it's just like thinking about like what what year did the first Deicide came out? That was early nineties, right? Something like that. Yeah, because they actually kind of came a little later. It was um, 
it was that, this, and um, the first carcass, Rika Putrefaction, where people started fucking with the, the voice modulation. Yeah, so like, the first Deicide album is 1990. Yeah. So, so same year. Yeah, it's it's just fucking, it's cool sounding. It's it's evil sounding. It's I like it. I, w- I wish more bands would grim. do Grim. It. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. I Especially with some of the effects people have now. I yeah. mean, if people start modulating vocals, like you could do some really fucking cool shit. But that's one thing. That's I mean, I guess I forgot about that earlier in the episode. But that was another thing I like about this album, man, is, well, I think that's why I like this album over everything else, man. I mean, it's got relatively the same sound, but I do think it's, I do think vocally, like I said, I mean, it's the best, in my opinion, it's the best LG you're going to get, you know? I mean, and granted, it was the first, maybe he hadn't quite gotten into what he wants to sound like. Right. You know, like, okay, we've had some time now, this is what I want to go for, where, you know, the first thing is you're just kind of doing your, you know, doing whatever you're, you know what I mean? Uh, But yeah, I mean, it definitely seems like they experimented, you know, a lot and, you know, maybe it's something they didn't want to keep doing. Like we, we talk about, you know, bands, they do an experiment and sometimes it works. Sometimes it does. If it doesn't stop doing it, if it does work, keep doing it. You yeah, know, fuck it. Do you decide stop doing that after a while too, right? Yeah. I don't even think they do it after Legion. Yeah. And then Carcass. the difference is this fucking, he claimed like, ah, we'll get into it. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, I know exactly where you're going. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know. Yeah. And then, um, Carcass, it was Ken doing the, the pitch yeah. shifted vocals, but it was Jeff doing them live where he would go back and forth between the two mics. There must be other bands that did it. I, yeah, there's there's probably other bands that we just don't know about yeah, or something. Yeah, but, yeah I and mean, there's... But it's it's a fucking cool song, dude. Like, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I don't have much more to say about it than that, but it's, it's, it's definitely one that I remember from even, like, the first time I ever heard it. Never forget like when, first. Like when we were talking about Entombed, you know, oh, let's do an Entombed. Well, it wasn't even like, hey, let's do an Entombed episode. It was like LG died. It's like, okay, so we're doing an Entombed then? Yeah. But that was that was one of the first, the first two I wrote down were my number one and this one. Hmm. So. Nice. Uh, let's see. What is number three for you? So quick update. The buddy I mentioned earlier that I would, that was going to bat with me for uh, DMX with all the youngsters just messaged me about DMX. Oh, really? Yeah, so weird real-time thing there. Um, <laughs> so my number three is title track again, Wolverine Blues, man. It's funny to me, like, the first time hearing it, I was like, this is that song that I heard about all those years ago? <laughs> um, it's fucking... It's just because it's, like, not fully like as heavy as it could be but it's also like not rocky as it could be it's in this weird spot it's only two minutes long and presumably it's from the point of a wolverine talking about how badass it is because wolverines are pretty badass and it's got that really cut time beat going on yeah yeah man and uh it's just a good fun ass song i can see why it was so popular and like that's the go-to track of that era when they went death and roll right or at least it seems that way um Hey, I would love to see Nails cover this song. Yeah. Or Vane uh, or End. Well, so Converge did this a lot. Really? And they, well, last time they were in Sweden, they did it with LG. That was the big video going around is when LG got to do it with Converge in Sweden. And uh, one of my favorite singers, vocalist, I should say, is John Pettibone from Himsa and Harris and Undertow and all that. And after Himsa broke up, he uh, 
he tour managed Converge for a while, and they did it on the road together as well. Like like Converge just did it all over the place to where there's now a recorded or a recorded version, and it's not just Jake, but it's Jake, Kurt, uh, Nate from Converge, but then it's also Aaron Turner from ISIS, dude from Hope Conspiracy, the guitarist from Trap Them instead of the singer for some reason, and then it ends with Thomas Lindbergh, dude, and it's fucking sick. And they're all, and it's in stages, they each have their own turn. And then, so what it turns out is they had each of those guys do a pass. So the main ones made up of every one of them having a turn on a line. But like, oh. you can get a separate version where it's each of those guys pass on one track. And it's, it's, oh, sick. Really? it's called the pound for pound sessions. And we talk about the iconic images. Um, it's the weird demon face thing from Uprising mixed with the Jane Doe face from Converge, and it's fucking sick. So um, this is going to sound weird, but I'm listening to a Harry Connick Jr. song. Called Wolverine <laughs> called Blues? Called Wolverine Blues. Oh, my. Okay. Uh, Louis Armstrong. Hmm. Wolverine Blues, Jelly Roll Morton. Hmm. I'm trying to find vocals to see. Like, is it a cover? I didn't think so, but... Maybe there's something we don't okay, know. Okay, never mind. So the Harry Connick Jr. one is instrumental. Isn't Harry Connick Jr. a singer? Yeah. Fucking. I think he's okay. a piano player, too. Oh, okay. Okay, yeah, so yeah, the yeah. Louis Armstrong and the Dukes of Not Hazard. Easy, everybody. The Dukes of Dick, Dixieland. So this must be, I think it's all this Jelly Roll Morton guy. And it's just an instrumental. So it's not a cover. Okay. Yeah, I was going to just. Popular title, <laughs> but I did, yeah, but I did listen to a cover from Damnation Defaced, kind of a deathcore e ish band, and uh, pretty cool fucking cover. I think this was the first song that my my friend showed me on the album, and it was a uh, again not that I liked it, but I I still think it's probably even having go back, having gone back and listened to it recently, I think it's the best song on the album. I could buy that. And I, I I think it's one of their better songs. Just a bow, now, now, now. Yeah, It's pretty cool, man. Yeah. The, um, there's another version on the Hollow Man EP where it's the song, but the vocals are taken out and replaced with, it must be LG, just reading facts about Wolverines <laughs> out loud from a, from a textbook or something. I love it, dude. It's, it's hilarious. Smokes the cigars. Yeah. Well, like I said, you talk about LG's vocals being really rough. There's footage of them playing this, as in Tomb AD, a couple years ago at uh, what must be Vakken. You want to talk about rough? Oof. Um, <laughs> on to your number three. So this one is off of Clandestine. It's called Blessed Be. That intro, man. Just those chunky fucking... And it's got this little, little whammy action going on. But... Pretty cool, pretty cool intro. Kind of fades out, like your stay. Like it's it's like a, it's like every thrash intro, right? It's like kind of slowish. Then it fades out, and then all of a sudden it's like pop, 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 boot, cat, cat, boot, cat, cat, boot, cat, cat. Like you know, it's got the I don't know standard thrashy riff, you know, like, and you know you kind of have to never mind the vocals, whatever, but. But like towards the end, like really slows down towards the end. You know, since we've been going back and doing some of these more, um, I I wouldn't call them obscure, but kind of going back and listening to stuff like Celtic Frost and this and 
like you know, foundation I've, bands kind yeah, of? Yeah, I've kind of listened to a lot of Dismember lately, um, within the last year or so, checking out some of the some of the stuff. Um, it's surprising to me how many times... Well, fuck, I mean, even if I'm listening to Metallica, how popular it is to just, hey, let's get slow at the end. <laughs> yeah, know? for sure, yeah. It's... Um, it's a very common thing. I mean, it doesn't, you know, I know, you know, in some circles, breakdown's a bad word. People like, don't like breakdowns. I think they like, they don't like a certain type of breakdown. And I mean, we'll have to redo our breakdown episode because that shit's all over the place, but wasn't bad for an impromptu episode. Though. Yes, I would agree. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I just, I guess I didn't realize just how popular of a thing that that is. It's very, very common. Yeah, I can see that. You know, from, from all genres. You know, it's it's kind of it's kind of strange when you think about you know you go back to some of these old albums you know and you're like damn they're doing it too you know, yeah like, what for the sure fuck? yeah and it probably goes even further than that I oh, mean yeah. it probably goes all the way back to fucking old jazz stuff and whatnot but for sure numero dos so now we get into the nitty gritty with the stuff on Uprising my number two is the opening track off Uprising Seeing Red talk about the rock really being up and center on this front and center even but it's done in kind of a sinisterish kind of way ah man it's just a rocker I but love I'm it. Fo- uh, oh, okay yeah got the video <laughs> yep. oh, yeah. boogie down baby uh and it's got the video done in um not cooperation collaboration with trauma films you ever watch any trauma films back in the day i'd yeah. seen a couple yeah 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 where it's the it's a dude in a shitty toxic of uh, is it the toxic Avengers the movie and the other one's the cartoon. This shit reminds me of like some hillbilly shit. Oh yeah, most definitely, <laughs> dude. Um, speaking of which, one of my favorite songs early on by Entombed was um, Scottish Hell, also off <laughs> Uprising, and I didn't know that was a cover till years later either. Granted, it's by a really obscure band from Texas called Dead Horse, but yeah. That was the cool thing, too, is, like, they had some of the more obvious ones, and then they got, like, these really gnarly underground bands or even obscure songs by bands. Uh, a la Metallica. Yeah, exactly. Anyways. That was one thing that was cool about them. Yeah, so the video, it's 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 a dude in a shitty rubber toxic Avenger mask uh, letting women into a theater, and then they all start making out in the crowd while Entombed plays... Uh, <laughs> and they're showing, you know, clips from whatever would have been out at the time... Toxic Avenger 5 or whatever. And uh, what was the Tromeo and Juliet? The oh, one with yeah. Lemmy. And um, there's even a bit of a Lemmy cameo in that, but I wonder if that was just part of the movie. And then it's the dude, Lloyd Kaufman, the guy running the projector, making the funny face. <laughs> it's just good fun. That's a fun song. Fun way to open the album, but it's not my favorite. We're going to get to that next. Until then, your number two. No, my number one. Did we do your number yeah. two? My oh, number two is Blessed Be. Oh, right, right, right. My okay. number one, you said it, Left Hand Path. There we go. I, I knew that was coming. First one I heard. The fucking... But man, the thing that gets it, again, is that fucking end part. Mm-hmm. Yeah. With the... Is it a keyboard? Is it like an actual harpsichord? It's or gotta is it a be. keyboard? It's, it's gotta be... But I, like before that, it was like a... Like, it's almost like proto-cryptopsy shit. Yeah, <laughs> You know sure. what I mean? Yeah. But then, you know, it's got the big fucking fade out or whatever. And then that fucking. Mm-hmm. 
eighties horror movie ass. Yeah, shit. dude. Like it's yeah. it's John Carpenter shit, yeah, dude. Yeah, like yeah. you know, and then the fucking guitar comes yeah. in. That's perfect. Oh, yeah. And it's like even though they went even harder with the uh, classic rock and even hardcore influence later on, there's still a little hint of it. Those little the little bits oh, yeah. with the guitar yeah. all day, dude. There's a reason it's so revered. There's a reason that, you know, because when people talk about that song, that's the part they're talking about specifically is that end bit. when. Um, oh, yeah, dude. When Bloodbath played, I, I don't know if this is still the case, but when they started playing, they would just bust into that part after one of their songs. It's just, it's it's one of those things, like, again, I don't know how people would feel about it, like, nowadays, hearing it the first time. But, man, back in the day, hearing that, hearing that and it's... It's like hearing some of that shit with like Celtic Frost with like those fucking horns in the background. Mm-hmm. It's like you didn't hear stuff like that. And if you did, it was just wasn't very often. And it definitely wasn't with heavy music like that. I mean, we'd all heard keyboards with Rush and fucking all kinds of like 80s pop bands and whatnot. But but you never it's when when you the first time you heard that stuff with like really heavy yeah, music. Like exactly, it was just yeah. like, whoa, because it's it's always done in such a different way. Yeah. You know, it's probably the same keyboard that fucking I don't know what's this fuck from Ronnie James Dio, you know, or the same guy from Ozzy Osbourne, or the keyboard that fucking Pet Shop Boys used. I mean, there wasn't a whole lot of different keyboards back then, right? But they use it in such a different way, you know, and you kind of have to because it's a different style of fucking music, and you got you're gonna make it work, right? And it's just like a different application is so fucking cool. Mm-hmm. It's one of those things where it's just like you just never really forget that, you know. It's it's. I mean, I wouldn't say it was mind-blowing, but, I mean, it definitely, you know, it's it's on at a party that I'm at. Yeah. Okay, I mean, I wasn't, like, hanging out yeah, with a buddy, sure. and he was like, hey, check this album out. Otherwise, I would have fucking dubbed it, probably. It was on at a party, and it was, like, one of those things where it was, like, I specifically remember, you know, sitting there shooting the shit with everybody, beer in my hand, you know, fucking cigarette in my hand, and, and it's just, like, all of a sudden, that part comes on, and I'm just like, whoa. Mm-hmm. You know, suddenly... There is no more background music. It's everybody around me is background. Music is forefront. I walk a little closer to the stereo. And it was like, after this song, that's when I went up and started asking people, yeah, like, yo, yeah. yo, what the fuck is this? Like, who is this? Who is this? Right. You know, finally found somebody that said it's entombed. You know, and then, like I said, I never, like, you know, I remember, whose album is it? Whose album? You know, like, I want to take, I want to see if I could borrow it or whatever. And I mean, I just never really found out who it was. So, and, and no one else albums. I knew had it, you know. So, yeah. that's just how it goes. For sure. Did I didn't actually get a copy of it till fucking years later. Right. In fact, I don't know if I ever bought a copy. So there's a good possibility I didn't get it till like Napster came out. You know, I mean, that could very well be. So. Yeah. I. You know, it's just a funny thing, and you don't hear that style. You know, the weird keyboard thing a lot in death metal but you also don't hear it a lot in entombed after that either no it was a special moment i think that's why it worked so much too is because it stood out so much you know what i mean so i think that's i mean that i think that's one reason why like for me this album i consider it a fucking classic album we could fucking totally do one of the genre essentials on this album mm-hmm. i'd be totally down for that but I think one of the reasons why is because they never sound like this again. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Even on clandestine it's a yeah. way different I mean, version I of think the same thing. In fact, I wonder if that's all the fucking, you know, the Twitter, you know, OSDM, Entombed is God kind of thing. I wonder if they actually mean 
the band's career or if they're just talking about this album. Because if they're just talking about this album, I totally get that. I would have to think that's it more than anything. Even if you're just talking about like the first half of the band's career, because after that, again... Yeah. yeah. But I mean, I, I don't know. I, I just think this album is so much different than anything else that they've ever done. I mean, 100%, it's, yeah. it, I, I guess that's one of the reasons why for me, this album works so well. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. It's like this member was just like left-hand path, the band, you know what I mean? Like, and that's why, well, yeah, maybe they like their whole fucking thing was that. I mean, yeah. And like, and that everybody else just kind of followed suit. Cause how many bands actually went the death and roll route as well? Did Gra- did Grave have a death and roll album? No, Grave Grave and Unleashed didn't really fucking do it much. But there was like yeah. a bunch of black metal bands that were kind of doing it too. The black and roll? Well, I mean, that's definitely a kind thing. of yeah. I mean, there was there was some stuff like that where you're just like, whoa! Like even Dimu Borgir had some stuff where like at least one album where they like slowed it down and really went for this kind of a chunkier rocks you know rock vibe you know um but i know there was like a whole group of bands i don't know they might not even have been been bands they might have just started as death and roll maybe they yeah, weren't oh for sure they weren't yeah. even something else that became that they were just they just kind of started off as that thing so definitely and it's just interesting to think like they, the the degrees of rock presence and the music shifted in that mid part of the career to the point where they were a straight up rock band on same difference even you know yeah it's just it's, it's an interesting sliding scale to look at we are on to Delos number one so i kind of hinted at it sort of kind of second song on uprising say it in slugs it's just that opening riff man and that fucking that momentum with the drums and like that that's awesome it's a driving rhythm man i love it and they, to further your point, they do the slow thing down at the end, or slow down at the end thing, I should say. Uh, they do it twice. They they speed back up and then they get slow again, but in a completely different way. It, like it kind of ends weird. Um, wow. Yeah, they really slow it down. Yeah. In the middle. Well, it's just mostly they, just the bass. Yeah. And then they do it again at the end in a very different way. Not a very different way, but just a slightly different way. But yeah, it kicks time. back up too. Yeah. Oh yeah. And he goes, ah! Love it. And the video is just them. It's in, it's a black and white video of them playing some festival in the middle of the day, and there's like a million people there. So I'm like, <laughs> what the fuck festival was that and where? But yeah, man. Let's, okay. It's, the, mi- the middle slow part is mm-hmm. way cooler than the end slow part. Yeah. And I think that's why it ends up being the end instead, and it's not as focused on. Uh, but it's a, it's a, it creates a move, you know, or a mood, I should say. And that's the whole thing. Even when they, for the most part, when they get into the the rockier stuff, there's still a mood behind it, you know. And I think that's why I'm not that big on um, the damn album that I refuse to say the name of because I keep getting it wrong and it's long. But oh, it's to like, ride, yeah, straight and shoot, yeah, crooked. yeah, yeah. That's it's like there's not that mood's not there. It's a very rock for the sake of rock kind of vibe you know what i mean yeah it's which way more it's bordering on stoner at times but that that whole vibe uh but like yeah that and say it or and uh seeing red are perfect examples where it's like rock but it's it's got a it's got a like sinister-ish halloweeny vibe they were halloweeny as fuck dude for a lot of their career even the video of <clears throat> like me. their look i mean like their overall aesthetic uh up to a point because uh, huh. like even even like the video for night of the vampire them like 
in black and white in the snow in a cemetery and they're all wearing shitty fake like vampire teeth you get from like a, like a CBS, you know what I mean? Like in Buffy the Vampire yeah, Slayer yeah, yeah. the movie. Yeah. But like, you know, it's like the shitty Halloween like, oh, like here's some candy and some fake vampire teeth and maybe they'll oh, glow in the dark. Man. Like that kind of vibe. And it's them throwing snowballs at each other in a fucking cemetery doing that. You know, it's, it's all on tongue in cheek and, you know, writing 666 on everything. It was like one of the funny, you know, the goofiest, most knowingly cheese dick moments ever where they take a, uh, you know, like a Halloween devil pitchfork thing and he takes it and he writes 666 with it in the snow by making one six, but they all line up. So there's three of them. So I was like, ah, that's good. And then it ends with them in the jam space. Because at the end, then it, it does the opposite, where it actually gets really fast for a moment at the very end. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Again, if it wasn't a cover, it would be in the top, for sure. I fucking love that cover, man. Like, those, some of those covers are better than a lot of the original material. To further the point, man, when they when they got it right, they really, really got it right. Uh, when they didn't, they really didn't, and then there's a lot in between. Uh, on that note, I'm pretty sure you just literally covered every, any possibility there. Yeah. yeah, there was a lot of possibility to be had. Again, they weren't. <laughs> it wasn't as consistent as as Grave or um, Dismember or any of those bands. They they took a lot of chances, and when you take chances, sometimes you don't succeed. All uh, their own perception of same difference to the point of them keeping yeah, it out of print. True. On that note, let's get into the top songs. Oh yeah. It's not too surprising to see. Well, now that. now I'm on my phone, so I guess I can only see top five. Yeah, top fine. five. Yeah. So number five, all of them have over a million plays, though, man. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I like, think their stuff has been on here for a long time. Yeah, but you got to think like I mean, a bunch of these are split between the dynamic full fucking right. range or whatever and like the regular. Do they put the regular version on there still? I don't. I just you know what I mean. Like sometimes like. Like, Roadrunner's gotten a lot better about taking off the regular version if there's a, a bonus track version. Actually, no, there's still a lot of those, too. Well, the dy- the full dynamic range ones are the originals. Right. And then they just... So, let's say, like, Left Hand Path, parentheses, full dynamic range. That's the original. Mm-hmm. And then you just have Left Hand Path, and it's a remastered version. Yeah, but is it, is it the deal where they have the... Like, because that's all under the same, like, you click on it, and it's all there, Right. Is it not? No, the there's st- two of them. Really? It's two for every single one. I thought it was included in the full dynamic one. Well, no, it's it's two up until Wolverine Blues. So the first three mm-hmm. albums, they have the full dynamic range, and they're all the same amount of tracks. It just sounds shittier. Right. That's all. Did they? Uh, I can't even remember. Did they have the full dynamic thing for um, Carcass? Yes. Okay, and it's for the shitty albums. Go yeah, figure. Yeah. So. So number five is Revel in Flesh. Uh, well, actually, so by plays, number five would be Drowned, uh, at a little over a million plays. Revel and Flesh is 1.1 million. <laughs> and then number three is To Ride, Shoot Straight, and Think Crooked, 2.1 million. Wolverine Blues is number two at 2.8 million. And then at 4.3 million, huge jump, dude, left-hand path. Yeah, I mean, yeah, head above water. You right? know, it's... Yeah, yes, most people, like I said, yeah, you do have the people Entombed too, <laughs> or like, hey, what's that? But you have people that have heard of Entombed, or like anything from heard of them, and kind of like them too, we really love them. You ask most of them, Left Hand Path is, is the jam. It's, like I said, that end part gets talked about quite a bit, you know, and I mean, again, like, 
I can't deny it either, man. Like, it was super memorable when I fucking heard it. It was just one of those time and place things, man, where the album just really, I mean, it put them on the map. It put Sweden. Yeah, for real. Kind of in general on the map, because I don't feel like a whole lot of people knew who Yngwie Malmsteen was. Yeah, and even or, then, And he, even, if they, even if they did, they probably didn't know he was from Sweden. Yeah, I mean, he left for uh, Miami. Yeah, yeah, so, you know, they really put Sweden on the map, and I mean, they, they really... They really, and obviously their shitty fucking sound just inspired so many people. Yeah. Um, I was going to say, the corner that does revere them in metal reveres them a lot, and it's even possibly more so in hardcore at this point, man. It's Oh, yeah. It's interesting. Even well, yeah, I mean, they're more of a fucking, I mean, they're almost more of, yeah, they're closer to a hardcore style than they are even a death metal fucking band, be honest with you. I mean, that's, you know, the thrash beats, they got the fucking deep yeah. stuff. I mean, it's, you know, and then as they go in the stoner, that, that death and roll area, you know, they do start having a little bit of the breakdowns, a little bit of like the two steps and whatnot. Like, you yeah. know, well, I mean, as opposed to America where like the, the hard, like hardcore stuff with the exception of repulsion started coming in with death metal later, they say in Sweden, it was always there from the beginning. Like, and it's just like, Oh man, I would love to do a deep dive on like Swedish hardcore in general. Like the really, not just refuse, but like the crustier stuff. But like that'll be way, way, way down the line. But dude, victims from Sweden, fuck yeah, stuff like that. Um, Damn, I might have to fucking dive into some of that. Yeah, man. Well, it's because you got the you got the crustier one. I think that's Stockholm, and then you got the uh, Umia where um, Refuse and Mashuga are from, and that that's a whole different scene too. That's that's hmm. more of the it's a different thing. But yeah, man, like fucking yeah. Shout out Entombed. Rest in peace, LG. Let R-I-P-D. us know what your favorite stuff is. Are you one of these guys that likes... Does anybody like Sam Difference? I'm just curious. Let us know. <laughs> I don't... It's fun, but like, does any, is that anybody's shit? Uh, let us know. Just out of pure curiosity. Until then, thanks for joining us as always. Eat your veggies. Fuck your prayers. See you then. Later.